Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I am your host. Uh, I am joined back by my my, my main mucker, Gunnar Hilsey, is with us, Trev. Um, Capotan is in seat number three and devoted to seat number four is our Danish Gunnar, uh, Alex. It's a long story. We won't go into it, but yeah, it's a, it's a punishment for comments said off air. We are going to talk about the Brentford game. Clearly, we're going to talk about the VAR situation. And obviously, we're going to talk about a huge game that we got coming up on Wednesday night. Um, Alex, seat four. You'll learn. Yeah, I've been put in my place. Um, yeah, but it's good to be back, though. Missed out last week. You did indeed. You did indeed. We had we had uh, two Dans. How to confuse an Irishman? Jesus, it was really, really <laughs> difficult for me. It was just nigh on, nigh on impossible for me to get it. The amount of times I listen back, and I don't listen back often. The amount of times I went to go Dan, meaning I was asking Capo Dan the question, and Dan because we had agreed that Dan Mountney would be Dan, answer the question correctly, but it was my incorrect direction of the question. Anyway, Just Capo, Capo Dan, how are you? Well, I need to mess things up, Fergus. But yeah, it's, no, it's uh, not. It's no, good it's to be not. on. It's uh, nice to have Alex back in the starting lineup after he's um, dropping from the starting lineup last week. But yeah, good to have you back, Alex. Thank you, Dan. And and in the chat, we've got some people already. We've got Tim, who was singing with us outside the North Bank. We've got Alan. Uh, we've got Heath. And uh, we got Tony, but you've got something to say to Tony, haven't you? We have. Um, obviously, we we feel really bad for Tony having these little accidents, so we've come up with a little little rhyme to help him uh, enjoy his enjoy his time. So goes, he likes to play like Scott Sinclair, Tony, Tony, but ended up on gas and air, Tony, Tony. He broke his leg, but he'll be back, but he'll still be a lanky chap. Tony Fane, I heard it was a dive. La, 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 <laughs> Are you sure that's going to be chap? <laughs> it might have been toned down for the, uh, for for the, the live year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's Northern. You can't say that word either as well. So, listen, I asked oh. you guys... I asked you guys um, uh, for the instant reaction. I said to you guys on Saturday, Sunday, what your thoughts were. Trev mentioned about Eddie, which we'll talk about. Uh, talked about Martinelli. Um, and Alex uh, was, you know, couldn't believe, and this is before the, the huge hoo-ha about um, the VAR, couldn't believe that it didn't disallow the, the goal. Uh, myself and Dan uh, talked about um, that the atmosphere seemed very flat in the stadium. Um, and then Dan, which again we'll talk about, talked about uh, managing teams who want to do a low block. Uh, and then Trev had a tweet. Now, Trev's had a, Trev's had a few tweets, haven't you? Trev, Trev, how are you? I, I nearly forgot to say hello. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very good, Fergus. I'm sorry I missed last week. Um, two things I need to say before we get going. Firstly, uh, a very happy birthday today to one of my all-time Arsenal heroes, Liam Brady someone that gave me great pleasure and could have played for any Arsenal team I've ever seen. Liam Brady would have got in. So happy birthday, Liam. And secondly, and from a personal view, more importantly, um, I couldn't come on the show last week because my St. Ellen's family, my in-laws, who I love dearly, um, Kelly and Phil, my brother and sister-in-law, um, were getting married on Thursday. And I 
I wanted to be there badly. We struggled a bit, but Donna and myself got there. We had a lovely day, and uh, I just want to say thanks for the invite, Kelly and Phil, and all the very best. I, me and Donna love you so much, and uh, take care. Right, I, I've done my bit now. I, I need to move on from that because it makes me emotional. <laughs> I I thought it was a spillage of ice cream in aisle seven. That's what I told everybody on the podcast. A what? I thought it was an ice cream spillage in aisle seven. <laughs> uh, guys, um, Dan, first of all, at the stadium, uh, we got in a little bit early. Uh, we were able to see the new stadium wraps. I haven't taken any photographs. There's loads on, online and uh, on, on Twitter and everyone's shown them. Um, what were your thoughts of seeing them in the flesh? I've only seen two in the flesh, but um, that was the Welcome to North London one and the Highbury one. Um, and they were sort of two of the favourites that I saw when I first saw them. Um, the Highbury one, I think, looks great. I, I would near enough say that could go the whole way around the stadium. But, um, you know, for anyone that's seen Highbury and you know, like myself as a kid, um, for me, Highbury is just, it's, it's, not the, it's, it's one of the best looking stadiums I remember, you know, and all the places I've been to, just Highbury is just a class above the rest. So. To have that and, and a bit of history on the uh, on the new stadium is, is nice. Um, so uh, we're looking at the, the Brentford game. Myself, on, on the wraps, I, I quite like them. I think the one over the North Bank, I really like. Welcome to North London. I did see a couple of the others. I went round uh, as a left and I did see the... Um, uh, I saw the 1886 as we came in. And what I, I didn't notice, but as you come down Albert Park and you've got the flats in front of you, um, the 1886 is actually right smack bang in between the flats. So you it's it's quite quite well done as well. And I think I saw yeah, I saw all the, the flags over the um uh it's probably more around the, the West Stand. Uh, yeah impressive um seven out of ten uh, I think overall seven out of ten. Uh, I, I like the hybrid one although after seeing the stadium all red before it seems a little bit strange to see the it, it white. Trev you're shaking your head. You're always so generous with your scores. Seven out of ten, Fergus. Seven out of ten. It's the Arsenal, and even if I didn't like him, I'd give him a ten. So I'm a proper Arsenal fan, not like you, you know. Uh, this is this is true. Listen, we hosted Brentford. They hadn't lost a game since October. Only Newcastle had got more points at the Emirates this season, uh, and uh, nine rows and uh, nine starts in a row for Eddie. Um, it's our best start since our foundation in 1886, with 35 points. Out of a possible 42. Uh, I don't know what that 35 or 42 means. I can't. So, um, and only two clean sheets at home Forest at 5 0 and Newcastle at 0 0. That point, I, I, it is our best ever start, but I don't know what the 35 42 is. I can't remember what that was written on the script. So, we'll just gloss over that a little bit. So, if we, if we look at the lineups, the. Can you not, um, can you not that bit, please, Fergus? I'd like to go back. Highlight that bit. Highlight that Yeah, <laughs> that's in the bleeps and blunders. The end of, se the end of season compilation. Um, Brentford lined up with Raya, uh, a Danish geezer, um, AJ, <laughs> <laughs> Finnock, me, Henry, Nogard, Jensen, Jan, uh, Jan Elt, Mumbeo and Tony. Um, oh God, that's difficult, that, that, their side. I'm glad I don't support Brentford. We had Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Party, Shaka, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Nketiah. Um, Question. No point in asking Trev because I know what he'll say. Uh, I'll go to you, Dan. Has Arteta just blindly trusted the same 11? Um, rightfully. Uh, but in this game, was this the game to change it? Trossard has been very strong. Should Trossard have started over Martinelli? 
Firstly, I'll give you a, a seven out of ten for the pronunciation of those names, Fergus. That was a, it's a good score, seven out of ten. So uh, well done. It is apparently um, it's all the rage. <laughs> it is. Um, for me, I, I would have made a couple of changes for this game, um, not because anyone's done anything wrong, but I think if ever there's going to be a game to change it ahead of what is going to be quite an intense game on Wednesday, I think it would have been this game. I also feel like Trossard has played well since he's come in and actually could have come into the side seamlessly and not really made a you know a drop in the level at all. And same for Tommy Asser at right back. But I can see why he's gone with the same side. This is the side that's got us at the top of the league and given us, our, as you said, our best start for a long, long time. So, Alec, go on. Go, go on, finish off, Dan. Yeah, All no, right, so no, that was it. Yeah, he, yeah, I think I can see why he stuck with the same sort of side and and why he didn't make any changes. But yeah, for me, I would have freshened it up with a couple just to keep the squad. You know, you, you need to keep the squad competitive as well when everyone wanting to get into that eleven. And if you know you're not going to be starting every week, then maybe that could get a few of the you know the squad players down. Also, keep, you need to keep them fresh so they can come in and be match match fit. But yeah, no. Alex, complaint. would 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 you have swapped anyone around? Would you have made any changes? Yeah, I think I would have liked to bring in Trossard as well. Now that we have such a strong uh, bench, I think we should uh, use some of them uh, and put them in from the beginning as well. And we saw the instant impact he had as well, Trossard. Um, and yeah, I think it would have added some another dynamism to the game. Uh, but I think uh, if we look at the next game, City, I, I wouldn't shake it up. I think that was Brentford. The Brentford game was was the game to do it to bring in some some other players for in the starting 11. Trev, um, Kappel made a, a good point there. If you know that you're in the starting 11, you know, maybe the other players aren't as motivated. Do you think that some of these, it's the wrong phrase to use, but some of these starting 11 may be comfortable are in their position and in their berth in the starting 11? Well, I would certainly hope not. Ferg, I'd so, certainly hope not, mate. You know, they're professional footballers, blah, blah, blah. They're paid to do the job. And I, I can't see that they are, to be honest. Um, I felt very sorry for Martinelli because I think with Zinchenko in the side, I don't think he gets the support down that left or the other options to move the ball um, that he does with 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 Tierney in the side. So it's, it's a bit awkward there in that, in that position for him. Um I wasn't upset with with the with the selection. I won't be upset with the selection if it stays the same for Wednesday. To be honest, because Wednesday we're going to talk about it shortly. So I'll just leave it at that. Wednesday is a completely different game. We won't be up against uh, eleven men behind the ball all night. You know, we'll have some proper defending to do, and I think it'll be a more open and a different game that we could possibly, quite likely win. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm not happy with the. I'm not unhappy with sticking with the same side. Uh, the, some of the situations um, that we found ourselves in needed a change and he brought on Trossard, but when he took Xhaka on, he, he could only really bring Vieira on, who, who I don't think is, is is quite up to where we need him to be at the moment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not unhappy with starting the same side every week and, and bringing on these, players, these different players. I suppose if we'd won the game, we'd be saying, why change a... Um... Uh, why change a winning formula? Dan, did you want to come back in on that? Yeah, I just just a question, Trev. Obviously, I know you mentioned Tierney. Do you really feel like Tierney and Martinelli can play in the same side under Arteta's system? Because he seems to like to have his wide men up top hold the width, but 
the guys at fullback to come inside and help dominate possession. Whereas Kirintini, I don't think he's as technical as Inchenko and can't really come inside as much or as well. And Tierney's strength is overlapping and, and bombing forward. And to do that, you need someone that will come inside and create space for him. Whereas Martinelli is very, very good at staying out wide and isolating someone one-on-one. Well, you've hit the nail on the head um, in that it, it, to play the style that, that Arteta likes, he, he, he prefers to play Zinchenko. And, and you can't argue that. You can't argue with anything that Mikel Arteta does at the moment because we're still, people are forgetting, we're still clear at the top of the league with a game in hand, you know? So I can't argue with any of that, Dan. The point, the, the only point I, I need to, to stick with is that I don't think Martinelli plays as well when he's in the side with um, Zinchenko as he does when he's inside with Tierney. I'm not saying that you should pick Tierney or you should drop Zinchenko just looking at that the way Martinelli performs because I don't think he's been... Well, you shouldn't really, should we? This is interesting now. We shouldn't... Should we really single... Martinelli or any of the players out for the Everton and the Brentford game because we didn't. We seem to be. My mate Terry put it on social media earlier in the week, and he's right. We seem to be just a bit below where we were, right across the field. You know, these last couple of games. But I think it's, that is it's, probably it's, more to do with the opposition we're playing than us. Well, I was going to say, is is it also the fact that they're playing so many games and they're not rotating and the lack of depth in the squad? Like Brentford had a game plan, Everton had a game plan, and Brentford's game plan of five three two clearly worked. It's worked against City, it's worked against Liverpool. They've, got, they've had uh, wins away there, uh, and they've got a point whether right or, or wrongly. Uh, they've got a point against the Arsenal away as well. So you know, they sit back, they cause trouble on the counter attack. And Rico Henry and uh, you know had a very clear chance that Ramsdale, Ramsdale saved. Uh, Buemo, I believe, had a, had a shot. Alex, your thoughts on on, on what Trev had to say and, and Capo had to say on that? Yeah, um, it, it's a tough one, but uh, yeah, I, I'd like to say like Brentford, like you said, they've really succeeded in playing uh, this five three two against all the big teams and. Yeah, they won away at at City. They drew Tottenham. They've taken points off all of the big teams, um, and you could you could see like in the game why it worked so well. Um, they're very good at closing down the the spaces in the middle and then double teaming on on Saka. Um, they, I heard the interview with the Danish manager after after the game, and he said um, that was the key to to uh, closing down us. That was uh, getting hold of Saka. And um, and they did that very well, except for the for the goal we scored. Um, but like when when they do that, when they close down Saka, I think um, what hasn't gone so well for us the last couple of games is like Martinelli and Enketia hasn't really capitalised of all of the um, attention he's getting Saka. Like we we need them to step up when when they're closing down Saka with two three men. Um, and I and I feel like. They haven't really got the best relation, uh, um, Enketia and Martinelli. And I think they look kind of frustrated at each other as well at times in the game. Uh, there was especially a situation where Enketia was on the counter and Martinelli was sort of running through on goal and he didn't pass it to him. And you could see like there was some frustration there. Um, where I feel like Jesus and Martinelli had a better relation and they were really good at uh, changing positions as well. Where you can see Martinelli, he's kind of locked on the on the sideline on the left. So, yeah, um, we need to figure that out for the next couple of games, and especially against the the low block teams. 
Mm. Uh, Dan, you were talking about the low block teams like uh, earlier in your in your instant reactions. How do, how do you think we tackle those sort of play, uh, teams? Because okay, I think the City game, which we'll talk about, is probably perfectly timed for us because they'll play football, and if they play football, we play football, and I think we can probably have a better game and a better outcome. Hopefully, how, how do you deal with this low block? They need to look for a plan B, don't they? Um, I'm not necessarily a plan B. I just think we need to increase the speed of our passing. You know, when you when you get a team that sits in, we need to move them out. And to do that, you have to move the ball quicker. That's what the top, top sides do. And that's that's how Man City have broken down so many teams over the years is by moving the ball very quickly. And then when you get your creative players on the ball, they create something out of nothing. You know, and we, we have enough players in the team that I think that can do that. I also think it's an element of teams, one, giving us more respect because we've been very, very good. So teams have now started to say, hang on, we're going to the Arsenal, we need to be on top of our game and we need to be a lot tighter than, than we would elsewhere. But then also, I feel like we're not yet at the end of our journey. And we've said this you know, for a while, we've got still a long way to go if we want to be ultimately Champions League winners and Premier League winners. And we've got a bit of development to do. And a lot of the guys in the team are still young guys, still learning. And they need to learn, like Trevor said, how to play when they're top of the league. Mm. Mm. Listen, go on, go, go, Trev. The, the boys, it's really interesting what the boys, both of the boys said there, Ferg. And they, they, they're bang on. They're bang in line with my thoughts, right? And and I put that comment up there with, from Terry because I think that if you're if the, if the fullbacks are doubling up on our wingers, like we said they are, yeah, then we should be able to move them around in the middle of the park and find some space. And and Terry, Terry's exactly right. I mean, I don't want to be seen to be going in hard on Eddie, but I think his goals might have flattered to deceive recently. I don't think he moves defenders around anything like Jesus does. And I think that having Jesus in the side gives us the option, having Jesus in the side, moving the defenders around will, will automatically drag defenders away from our wingers. You know, our yep. wingers don't need to be out there unmarked. If, our, if Martinelli or Saka are one-on-one -on -one with a defender, instead of one-on-two, if they're one-on-one -on -one with a defender, who do you back to get past every, almost every time? You'll back Martinelli and you back Saka. They're that good. They're that good. Mm. And, and Dan and, and, and Alex are exactly right in what they said earlier. It all links into one big picture, you know, and it's lovely to talk about it like this because we're talking about it in, in a positive way. I think Jesus just moves defenders around a lot more than Eddie does. And I'll leave that up we're picking on Eddie, you that's know, what, but if we want space, we'll create it. Since we're talking Eddie, I think Eddie's probably in some ways easier to defend against because he's a poacher. He sits in the box and he, he tries to look for that final ball, where Jesus uh, does an awful lot more and gets involved in the game a bit more. I think we talked about it on the phone briefly um, uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Trev. Uh, you just said the work rate of Eddie, whilst is impressive in and around the, the penalty spot, in and around the box, it's not the same as Jesus is around the pitch because if Jesus isn't scoring the goals, he's definitely assisting for for, for the goals as well. Uh, listen, we with a with a um, twenty five minute scare. Uh, Ivan Tony, who um, uh, is on, only Kane and Haaland have scored more goals in the league uh, than Ivan Tony. Um, he hit the crossbar with this because Tony's in there. Here he is making a bit of space. That's a clever ball. Bumo's in there, pulls it back. Tony hits the crossbar. Should have scored. 
he should have scored. Uh, honestly, uh, Dan, uh, first half, there could have been three. I mean, I don't know about three. I think they had a couple of chances that they they probably should have taken at least one. Um, they had a couple of very good opportunities, but they're, they're a good side at the end of the day. They, they've only lost, I think it's four games in the league. They've lost to us. They've lost to Newcastle. I think they lost to Villa and Fulham as well. But they're a great side. And you, you forget that this is a side that lost probably one of their main players last year in Christian Eriksen. And they've done a fantastic job this season. And not only have they not lost that many games, they've beaten big teams and beaten them away. You know, not many people go to Man City and, and win. Not many people, you know, they beat Liverpool. They um, Who's the other team they beat? Was it? They beat United, I think. Yeah, they beat United as well, 3-0. You know, so this isn't this isn't an easy team um, to play against, especially if you're not at your top top level. You know, and, and I don't think we were bad um, on Saturday, but I think when you have a five percent drop off, it makes a big difference against teams like Brentford. Dan, have you yeah, seen my notes for tonight? Because every time I look down my notes, you're taking the point just ahead of me, and you're again, you're exactly right, mate. It's uh, we 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 didn't underestimate Brentford. I don't think we. But Brentford are a damn fine side, and they should have been winning at half time. And if they'd have been winning at half time, you couldn't have um, argued that it wasn't a deserved lead, could you? They, you know, um, we didn't look like we could break them down at all. Second half, we were a bit better, but yeah, you're exactly right, Dan. We were a, uh, they're a very, very good side. Alex, going into half time, we're, we're flat on the pitch. Martinelli really it was had the only opportunity with a, a shot over the bar in the forty third minute. Um, did it come across on TV that it was like flat and lethargic on and off the pitch? Yeah, it kind of did. Um, like I was expecting. Um, obviously, I wasn't there, so I, I don't know how exactly it was. But like how it came across on the on the television is that it was. It was quite flat, and I was expecting like a better atmosphere because it's such an important. Every game is so important right now, and I feel like um, the games I've gone to, even though it's been smaller teams, the atmosphere has still been really, really good. Um, but yeah, for some parts of the game, the only thing I could hear was really the drum um, from the clock end. So I was a bit disappointed um, in that because I think the team right now really needs. Um, the fans and the atmosphere, and that's one of the reasons why we've been so so good at the uh, at the Emirates, is uh, mm. the atmosphere. The fans great. I think we said Dan um, uh, uh, on last week's podcast or the last podcast um, that um, the, the 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 fans had a huge responsibility. Myself and yourself and Tim, who's in the chat, and Hannah and several others. Uh, got in block five, block six, as you can hear from my voice. Um, we did we did give it a go and we got the place. It was rocking 45 minutes before the game, which it, normally that's that's like the United game and Spurs game. But for Brentford, it was really rocking. I thought it was going to carry on into the into the um, into the stands. It did. There was plenty of Red Army and the world's greatest team. And but it just there was something there. Jan. Yeah, well, do you know what it is as well, though, is that in certain games where oh, we've had a good atmosphere... Sorry? Leave me. He's, he's just been precious. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come to you in a second. Go on, Dan. Go, go, Dan. Go. All right. Um, yeah, no, when, we, when we've had the atmosphere going sort of that good before the game, 
we've also gone into the game and had a good start and we've scored early. And I think that's also made a big, big difference on the crowd. The crowd near enough feel like they're waiting for the team to pick them up uh, as opposed to the fans saying, OK, look, we're going to pick the team up whether they're playing well or not. And I think that that is something that is down a bit to nerves, but I think the fans can do more. I don't want to criticise them too much because I think we have been very, very good this year, but I think the fans can do more, especially in the running. Trev, go on, Precious. <laughs> uh, from, from where it was, from where I was watching it, obviously I watched it on the television. Um, it, it seemed that the fans got going every time Arsenal looked like playing, like, looked like getting in the box or, or had a chance. Then that lifted the fans for a couple of minutes, and then as the, as our players dropped off again, the fans dropped off again, and and uh, it's nice if the fans are doing the opposite way around and getting the team going, but. If you're watching that, sometimes it's difficult. But with people like Dan in the crowd, I'm sure that we won't be like it for long. Just look at here. Interesting. Heath raises a question for: Do we look tired? Um, do have we? I can only answer that with a question: Have we played any more games than anyone else? So should we be any more tired than anyone we, else? I don't know what you we've actually played. That. We played one less uh, than most others, and two in some cases. Um, so, in theory, we should be no different. The only thing, as I did say to you a little earlier, was does it point out to having the same starting eleven the majority of the time? Does it point out to the lack of depth in the squad? Yes, we've added Trossard, uh, Kivor, and who's the third one that we uh, added in, in the window? Jorginho. Um, so, you know... They've only come into the squad now and we're starting to um, bond with the, the, the rest of the team and get into the tactics and so on. So I, I think maybe that starting 11 are a little bit leggy. What well, do you Ferg, think? Let me come um, back at you, Ferg. Let me come yeah. back at you, Ferg. I like asking you a question, Ferg. Right, if we're looking a bit leggy and, and we've brought Jorginho on as, as an experienced central midfielder just to give us a bit of punch when we need it, and when he took Xhaka off, he brought Vieira on. What I, I couldn't quite work out the thinking there, to be honest, mate. No, I, I, to be honest, I, I couldn't understand that. But I did think that Jacka needed to come off. Uh, Jacka, uh, for the last couple of games, hasn't been the Shaka that we've seen, you know, a, a, a few weeks back. He, he doesn't seem to be... It could be the lack of Jesus, you know. That I, I, I seriously think that not having Jesus in in that squad and given us that option, especially against the opposition that we have, um, has caused us problems. Um, guys, anything anything you want to add on to that? Or are we going to the second half? Yeah, just I, a quick one on the, the changes, just because I feel like Jorginho is coming to be Partey's backup. And then he's got Vieira's um, a backup to either Erdegaard or, or, um, or Xhaka. So I don't think you'll see... Jorginho come on and play unless it's instead of Partey, to be honest with you. I think that's that's the main setup there. But I think people are forgetting that we did the hard work in, in the game against Brentford. You know, we did break them down eventually and we got the goal. And we looked at that point like we were going to maybe go on and get a second or a third. But I don't think we've had as much of a, of a drop-off as people think. You know, and if we'd have got a win out of that game, as we touch on later and probably should have because of certain decisions... I think people would have brushed over it a bit more and, and moved on a bit. Okay. Alex? Yeah, I agree. I th but uh, going back to your point, I think you're right about saying that 
Shaka uh, is missing Jesus because it's like a lot of the time when when Shaka was was doing well in the first half of the season where he really had his revelation was like the relation he had with Jesus and Martinelli where they really combined well for quite a lot of goals. So I really do think he's missing uh, Jesus on that left side uh, with Martinelli. Mm. So we got into the second half. We, we started a bit sharper. Um, we've gone through the reasons why we feel we were a bit flat in the first half. Uh, pretty much continued. We, we had a lot of controlling possession. and Brentford basically let us have the ball. Um, and they were just waiting for the counter-attack and direct passes to uh, to Tony and Mwemno. Uh Saka comes close uh, about two or three minutes in with uh, a shot. And then Tony comes close again um, uh, about five or six minutes later. Our defence seems a little bit unsettled for the first time this season. Um, do we think that Gabby and Saliba uh, um, are being matched physically and have had trouble with the one-to-one duels? Like... Against you look against Everton, how big the Everton back forward. Trev, I'll go to you first on this one. And again against um, uh, Brentford, the, the the back six or seven players are huge. Yeah, well, it's something that we've lacked for years: defense size and defense. And I don't think we lack that now. I, I honestly don't think the defense is a problem, Fergus. I mean, we've let in two goals in our last two games. And we've scored one. That's where the problem is. We're not scoring enough goals at the moment, last couple of games. Um, we're not breaking defences down. Um, we shouldn't give away, we shouldn't be giving away one goal a game and only taking one point out of six in our last two games. Our defence, that, that should tell me that we should have more points. And while we're talking about fouls, I mean, the, the lead up to their goal, when, when the free kick was given against Gabriel for a foul on Tommy, it's all over social media and the news today. Yeah, it's all over it. I mean, look, if if, if that's not a foul by the attacker, I don't know what is. I mean, he's not only just put his arms around him, he's locked his hands and grabbed him, you know? So, um, no, I don't hey. think we've got a problem with our defence. I'm happy with our defence. It's, it's the goals up front that we're losing track of. Yeah, um, uh, to be honest, Ivan Tony uh, in that still looks like he's trying to give a piggyback to Saliba. Uh, on on Saliba, uh, do you think he's been the same since the World Cup, Dan? Yeah, I think he's been the same. I think he's been he's been good to be honest with you. I don't think he warrants a criticism that people have been giving him. Um, Ivan Tony's a tough guy to play against. Who you know, and he's he's shown that all season against the best centre-backs in, in the Premier League. So um, I don't see why the treatment should be any different for Saliba. You know, no one else is criticising the other centre-backs he's played against. Um, he's, a, he's a tough opposition. But for me, no no issues with Saliba or Gabriel. Interesting point by Arnie in the chat there, Alex. Um, we can write uh, write um, we can write this, this two games off because City lost to Brentford and drew against Ed, Everton as well. So right. in theory, if you want yeah. to... If you want to, you can say we're one point better off. I mean, you could look at it that way, but you could look at it as an opportunity to capitalise as well, um, yeah. which we didn't do. So that's quite unfortunate. But I just wanted to go quickly back to like Saliba and Gabriel because I think they've been really good, but I just think they were really matched physically this game. And I I think it was quite worrying how easy it was for Brentford to like get to really big chances just by kicking the ball up to like Embuemo and Tony. 
because they just seem so dangerous. Like every time they'd play a direct pass to any of Tony or Embuemo, and like Dale said in the comments, uh, Saliba lost 10 out of 10 duels, aerial duels uh, against Tony. Like, and I know like, like what Dan said, he's a really good player and he's a tough, tough attacker, but that was like, that was just like the first time this season that I saw uh, both Gabriel and Saliba have so much trouble with an attacker. Um, so, uh, hopefully, they can handle Haaland um, this Wednesday. We I think we managed Haaland well enough at City. I know we lost in the FA Cup. Yeah, we did. We managed him very, very well. Yeah. So, I, 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 I'm actually more confident going into, I'm, I'm loath to say it, going into the City game than I was going possibly into the Everton game. Uh, Trevor, we brought on Trossard from Martinelli. Um, it was a good Good move by Arteta. It was it was the right time. Martinelli just wasn't getting into the game, was he? No, he wasn't. And and Trossard coming on did seem to lift us. Not for yes. the rest of the game, but he did lift us for the five or ten minutes after he came on and he scored the goal. I, I, I can't move on unless I, I just disagree with some of the views that I, I must I must say that I think our issues are that we've not been making the scoring chances up front the last couple of games. Yeah, we've given away two goals in two games. That's two more than we want to give away with. But we've we've scored one goal in two games. We need to be making more chances. Even if we're not putting them away, we've not made chances, let alone not score goals. And that's what we need to change. And moving, you're moving us on to City, Fergus. I know that's coming, not, mate. Not, not, not quite yet, but yeah, nearly there. Yeah. Well, when when we do move on to City, we're gonna we've got to talk we'll talk about the fact that with we're facing a completely different opposition, a completely different are, opposition. Look, let, let's let's look at um Trossard's goal and let's get into the topic of the VAR decision, and that's more or less the game done. Before we get into the Trossard, oh, uh, go before we get into Trossard goal, um, we talked about clean sheets and we talked about that we've only had two clean sheets one against uh Forrest in the five nil win and one against um, um. Uh, Newcastle in nil-nil draw. Dan, does any of this blame lie at Martinelli? Because you'll see in the VAR, he flaps something dreadful, and we could see it from down our end. Um, you'll see that later on in the VAR incident. Do you mean? Do you mean Ramsdale? Ramsdale. What did I say? You said Martinelli. Okay, yeah. Me get something wrong? That's unusual. Well, I just, uh, <laughs> just wondered what you meant. But um, do you know what? Just, just a quick. Touching back on Gabriel and Saliba, do you think that do you think Trev that people are trying to find a scapegoat at the minute? Because we haven't lost for a, quite a while. They're calling it a downturn in form, but they seem to just want to pick out every sort of nitty gritty. But we are a team that's on the front foot most of the time, and we are going to get opened up at times. Trev, that was to you. You didn't but, listen. I we, I, I was listening. I just had a, a message from one of the viewers raising a point with me. He, he's gone now, but uh, of course we're going to get opened up, Dan. We, we, we're playing the English Premier League, the best league in the world. You can have the best defenders on the planet and you're going to get opened up. But I still say we've given away two goals in two games. That's too, too many, but the defence is not where our issues lie. I, I, I've, I have every faith in all of the six people that can play across the back for us, but that our top six, our top six choices, put any four of them six in and I'm not fed up with it. Actually, I'm not fed up with any, with any part of our team 
But we have got to work out what's going wrong up front. Last couple of games, we're not creating the chances. Yeah. Chance was created then by Saka for... Uh, Saka trying to go around his man. Good delivery, must be! And it's Trossard, who scores for Arsenal his first goal for the club. And it could be a priceless one. Yes, great goal, great work from Saka. And we said we needed some new, somebody new to come on and change the game. And he's Trossard scoring. So uh, talk us through that briefly because we'll be here till ten o'clock at this rate if, if if we carry on talking about this game for so long. Um, I'll, I'll let you go on this one, Alex, and then we'll move on to the VAR situation. <laughs> Stop it, Trev. No, um, like it was it was a really uh, well worked goal, and it's kind of what we've seen um, a couple of times uh, throughout the season with Odegaard and Saka combining on the right hand side. And Saka um, getting free from his marker um, and putting in a cross, which he did quite a few times that game. But uh, this time, their right back, uh, Mesroslo, he was just watching the ball. He wasn't watching where Trossard was, and it was an, an easy tap in for him. Um, so, yeah, brilliant goal. And let's move on to the VAR. Yeah, so it all started with the the one that we talked about a minute ago. Saliba was adjudged to be climbing all over um, Ivan Tony. I don't think he had a chance to even get off his back. He was practically having children with him. Um, you know, it, it was it was unreal. And Ivan Tony has a record for doing that. Um, a bit like Alan Shearer used to, and Harry Kane does. These big strikers, they're back into back into. But grabbing as well is just um, is another level. Let's look at this, and hopefully YouTube don't uh, nick this off me. Here's Tony, unmarked. That's a dangerous ball in. Wissa heads it back, not very far. Helped on by Norgard. Pinnock's climbing in there. That was going to be a goal. Ivan Tony scored. So Tony scored the goal. I don't know if you saw on the, what I was talking about, Dan, about um, Martinelli, the way he's flapping a little bit. Um, do you want to talk about the possible goal or we just go for it? Go no, did Martinelli doesn't flap. He doesn't use his hands. Ramsdale. Ramsdale. How many more times, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's well, um, I'll, I'll do it for you then, Ferg. Um, yeah, to be fair, I, I do feel like Ramsdale was at fault a little bit as well. Can, can you not go down to number four, please, Ferg? <laughs> it might be like that soon. <laughs> um I, I do feel like Ramsdale was at fault. I, I don't see why he came out at that point. Um, I felt like he could have stayed on his line and let the defence sort of deal with it there because I don't think he was ever, ever going to get anywhere near it. So, um, But we, I don't think I can really punish Ramsdale when you look at that video. Um, someone seems to have forgotten to draw some lines on there. So surely it wasn't VAR. Well, that let's, let, let's look at that. So. There, there, there's obviously somebody's offside there, but the ball doesn't go to him. The ball goes to uh, to Tony at the back post, which is well onside. No guard there, maybe, that he's coming back from an offside position. No, I'm not sure he's so good. But it's yeah. been given. So after that extensive check, Brentford are level, and it's that. So <laughs> that was that. And now we're going to go into talk about VAR. But before we talk about VAR, I thought it would be a good idea to contact the man in charge of the PGA, PGMOL, easy for me to say, in Howard Webb, and uh, see 
what is the point of VAR? VAR is to, to, to stop those situations that I used to face when I made a decision on here, got into the dressing room, looked at my phone and thought, oh my goodness, how have I missed that? That shouldn't happen now. Uh, the VAR's there as that safety net. But what I don't want is situations where, you know, there's some situations that could split opinion 60-40, not only in the public, for you guys, for the players, the coaches, also for the officials. And one VAR in one week will recommend a review, and in the same week, a different one won't. And I think that would create a situation where people lose faith in what it's for. Trevor, have you lost faith in what it's for? Yeah, I have. Yeah, absolutely. I've lost faith, Fergus, because... That that the VAR officials are doing exactly what I was doing on the, at the weekend, watching the game on the telly, right? They've got their feet up with a beer, waiting for something to go wrong, right? And I knew when I watched that, when I watched it, and then I watched them replaying it, I said to my missus, "They're looking at the wrong offside here. They're looking at the wrong offside. He's not played it through to the next part of the play, the last nod." And I was gobsmacked. They didn't even look at it, didn't line it up, didn't look at it. And I just thought to myself, am I missing? I couldn't believe that someone that's paid like 60, 70, 80 grand a year could miss what I'd clearly seen on the television. I knew that the last nod was offside. I knew it was. I looked at it. I said to my missus, that's offside. And I just can't believe that, that he's not run it through to that. I mean, we've watched... Dermot Gallagher today, he was on Sky. They did a ref watch, an hour special ref watch on Sky Sports News this morning. And some of the excuses Dermot Gallagher come up with, they may be cringe. They actually turned this old man's stomach, Ferg. Boys, they turned my stomach listening. He was saying that uh, it's, it's human error, but he didn't say it's human error. He said it's just human error. There's no just about an error that might cost a team its first Premier League title you know, in nearly 20 years, you know. He said, we're going to give the bloke some retraining. Well, he's made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake previously. How much retraining does he get? And, it, it, it you know, it, he's made basic errors. They've issued an apology. Oh, well, so what? So what about the apology? If it, uh, my last part of my rant, because you boys got to come in on this, right? It's not some. It wasn't something on, that VAR hadn't been designed for that had shocked us. We thought, oh, didn't know we had to watch for that. Didn't know, didn't know he had to do that. It's the very basic job of VAR, right, to check for an offside. There's nothing more basic about it. There's nothing else you can do. You you look at offsides, and if he's not played that through to the final play and checked that offside as well, then he wants instantly dismissing, instantly dismissing, and. I just like to place here my thanks, Kevin Campbell. Thankfully, Kevin Campbell and Sue Smith, two great people of Arsenal, were were on the panel on Sky Sports News when Dermot Gallagher was talking, and they left him in no uncertain terms that they disagreed. And they're former professional footballers; they know better than all of us. And just to finish it off, if do you know we had we had the three mistakes, didn't we? If you if you take it to extremes, right? We had the three mistakes. We had Brighton Palace. We had Arsenal, Brentford, and we had West Ham, West Ham, um, Chelsea. All three of those games, all three of those games finished one all. All three of those games finished one all, and they could have all finished different scores. They could have all finished different scores. I don't know. I'm not putting any more words to that. All I am saying is, get rid of VAR. 
Bring it back when you've got it right, or bring it back when you've got the people that can use it right. But at the moment, and I'm talking as a football fan, not an Arsenal fan, a proper fan of football. You, you VAR people are ruining our national sport. You are taking away the enjoyment from our sport. We had a fantastic weekend of Premier League football, didn't we? We had some great games of Premier League football to watch this weekend. Great players, great performances, great scorers. And what are we all talking about? What are we all talking about? We're not talking about the football. We're talking about the VAR. Shocking. Shocking. Sorry, boys. Ran over, I promise. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. Listen, uh, Donna's been telling me that uh, how, how much this has been bothering you. And to be honest... She said, like, you know, at night she thinks she was thinking about other girls, but we know really you were thinking about uh, Lee Mason forgetting to draw the lines on. <laughs> uh, listen, quickly go over the VAR then with you, uh, Capo. Um, so there's the first one for uh, Pinnock, uh, where he's uh, in front of um, Gabrielle in, uh, impeding him. And then there's the second one, which is the offside. This is with lines drawn on to it. Um, was because Lee uh, Lee Mason uh, didn't have any crayons with him. Uh, the other ones that uh, uh, we've talked about was the West Ham, uh, Suchek uh, saving the ball there. And the referee in that instance, speaking to a West Ham fan today, said that uh, the reason he didn't give that one is because he was falling down and that was breaking his fall. Um, but we haven't been, it's not the first time we've been um, victims of uh, VAR. Um, there was the, the Manchester United one. There was a Southampton one against Jesus where he's been crawled all over. And you got only very, very recently um, where uh, the, the shirt was practically pulled off the back of uh, Gabrielle against Newcastle. Dan, I'll go to you first of all. Uh, let's go through this VAR and what you think. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't like criticising people unnecessarily. And I think potentially the, the block and then, you know, subjective decisions... Okay, I may not agree, but I can part with them. But I've said all along that the one thing with VAR that they seem to have got right was offside because you're either on or you're off. You just don't forget to draw the lines. And, and if they've made that many mistakes over so many months, if I did that in my job, generally I would get sacked. And I don't want anyone to lose their job because you know everyone's got a livelihood. And I, I, I would really hope that no one does it on purpose. But genuinely... That can't happen. And the only one thing I disagree with, I know I know how a lot, of, a lot of people feel about VAR. I wouldn't get rid of it. I think the concept is good. But the problem is the officials. The officials are awful. They are not good enough. Honestly, the, the, yeah, well, exactly that. The technology isn't the problem, as you said, it's the people using it. And they've got to get better officials in. You know, I, I was near enough sitting there thinking, Hopefully, maybe is it just the three o'clock games? Maybe it's because they've got more than one game at once and then they have to use different officials, but it isn't. You know, even the early game, the Chelsea game, and the people are just not good enough at doing their job. Mm. It's just, yeah, Alex, it's... Alex, I, I, one of the best tweets I've read on the, the topic, one was one tweet I wrote, which was similar to what Lyle said, which is VAR is not the issue because the fouls are getting picked up. The issue of the officials watching the pictures. But... The best tweet I've read is from that guy beside me over over there. Um, and he said, uh, human error. He'd rather see human error happen on the pitch than happen uh, in a wardrobe, was the word he says, where they've watched the pictures for four or five, six different angles and they're making a human error then. There is no excuse for the human error at that point, Alex. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, we can live with 
human errors from referees on the pitch. We can't live with human errors from uh, referees in the VAR room. And I think drink. the the biggest problem of them all is it makes us fans question the integrity of the Premier League because we're all sitting here wondering how how the heck like what's going on like everybody. Uh, could see what was going on. Why was the guy who was on job being paid for it not able to see what was going on? So it just, mm. th that's the biggest problem for me that it makes us fans question the integrity of the sport. Um, but I'd, yeah, I'd, I think there's, for me, there's like two solutions to it. I'd rather just completely get rid of it uh, if we, if they can't uh, manage the system. Or I'd like to see um, the thing we had at World Cup, this uh, semi I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, like why not? It's the biggest league in the world. Why not bring that in? Like, I can't believe how, like, why haven't they got it yet? Um, especially for offsides and yeah, and and that because the, the likes like that. It's it's basically Hawkeye, wasn't it? That's what they used in, in the world. Yeah, Cup, it's, equivalent. it's like Hawkeye, yeah, because like Dan said, you're either on or you're off. So, if we have technology which helps us to decide whether they're on or off, why not use it? <laughs> There's there's talk about active play and 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 stuff like that as well. Uh, there was a, a comment in there about the flag not being raised. Well, they're told not to raise the flags um, until I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I Wait, wouldn't have been uh, able well, to see it. Don't maybe. lose his point, boys. Don't lose his point, boys. Because you've yeah. got that. You got that point there from Tim, right? And you got that point there from Matt, right? Firstly, that the, the the linesman didn't raise his flag at all, right? Okay, so if we didn't have VAR, it's a goal, right? But that that, no, that, but off, Tre that Trev, off, Trev, they're told not to they're told not to raise the flag until yeah, yeah, until no, VAR. Fergus, he didn't raise his flag even after the play. He didn't raise his flag when the goal went in. If he thought it was offside, he'd raise his flag, right? Because the play's over, the goal's gone in. He raises his flag, and he didn't, right? Because Fergus. It was a really tight, tight, tight offside. The ball was bouncing around. And if we didn't have VAR, Ferg, and that goal was given, mate, I would have said, oh, Jesus, bloody linesman. But I would have made allowances in my head for the error of the linesman in the moment of the play. Yeah? But this, this VAR takes all that away, especially with offsides. There shouldn't be a single error with an offside, you know, or retraining or, or, you know, no, no. If they're not ready now, they're never going to be ready. You see what I mean, Ferg? No, I don't. I would have put his flag in the air, but he didn't at all. And I could accept it. I'd hate it. I'd want to kill the linesman. I'd want to kill the ref. But in your head, you're thinking, Jesus, that was tight. I can see why he didn't give it, you know. But that's as Alan said in the chat. It's probably very difficult to see. He's too close. Uh, sure to see uh, of it. Dan, did you want to come up with a final point on 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 the VAR? Because I want to go into a little bit more of the uh, opportunity to compromise the game theory that we've talked about before. Yeah, oh, two, two two really really quick points. The, the other thing that really frustrates me is, and we did this at the World Cup, and we've got the technology in place, semi-automated offsides. Why, if it works, is it not already in? Because if they have that technology, it would have solved, solved that solution. You know, that wouldn't have happened with a semi-automated offsides. So if they've got it, why not use it? And the second thing is, there are going to be pundits and people like that idiot Gary Neville that's going to be loving it, saying the Arsenal were collapsing, the Arsenal were crumbling. We're not crumbling. We're, we're not collapsing. We would should have, and should have won that game, I believe, in the end, just about. We talked about the other chances, but we should have won that game without that decision. 
and we would have been having a completely different outlook as fans. And as it is now, it's the perception is Arsenal were now not winning. Mm. Exactly. Uh, and exactly, it's, mate. It's, Fergus, this is so important, mate. I'm sorry I keep buying in, but Dan's exactly right. We should have come out of that ground thinking, we've been second best today, but we've scraped that. How did we win that game? We, you know, we must be a good side to be able to nick a win against Brentford like that. That's what we should have been thinking. Dan's exactly right. And, oh, I'm fuming, man. I'm going to give myself a heart attack in a minute. <laughs> uh, Lee Mason didn't draw the lines uh, and it was human error and there was an apology issued by the PGMLO, uh, also BBC Sport. But uh, all, 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 they all they all done it. Even the Premier League updated uh, the table saying that Arsenal had played 21 games with 51 points plus an apology. So at the end of the season, when it comes to, uh, you know, it, it, it's tied completely. The apology will get us over the line and give us a league title. Um Mark Halsley said something uh, which was um, uh, damning, if true, but it's not our words. Um, I've been in a situation when I've been uh, when I've seen an incident. I've been told to say I haven't seen it. To be fair, the F, uh, to the FA, it's not them. It comes from the PGMOL. Um, it doesn't stop uh, there. We've been told to give a certain amount of corners. Our throw-ins, fouls, bookings. The Premier League is rife with spot-fixing and bias towards certain clubs from the FA. Every referee in the Premier League could be in front of a court uh, one day soon. That is Mark Holsley, Premier League referee, 1999 to 2013. Not our words. Uh, it's just something that we picked up off our Twitter. Opportunity to compromise, Trev. Opportunity to compromise. There's never been more, is there? And Mark Elsey is exactly right. When he when he, when he said those words, Mike Riley was the uh, head of PGMOL, I believe, and Mike Riley refereed the biggest travesty of justice I've ever seen when he refereed the game at Old Trafford and just gave us nothing all day. And that was really, for me, where the question mark started being asked about referees and decisions. And... Uh, we're not making any accusations on this show, far from it, but we are looking at what is going on. We are looking at what is going on, especially now we've moved on to the VAR situation and we're starting to question why these things are still happening. We can't, I can't accept that it's all down to incompetency and human error and the like. I can't accept that. I'm, plant, I'm making no accusations there, but I'm saying that I cannot. Last This weekend just gone, Twice, once the lines were forgotten to be drawn because they looked at the wrong play. And secondly, the line wasn't drawn because they picked, put the line on the wrong player. Both on the same weekend. It's 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 so strange. There's, there's, there's so many things not adding up for me in my head. And I'm not going to be the one that makes the accusations, but there's plenty on social media and there's plenty of insinuations, insinuations I had, from people that have been very high in the game questioning how they're reaching these decisions. We find ourselves in a very strange situation. And if they've, as I said, and Dan's right, VAR works, right? VAR absolutely works. But for the moment, at this moment in time, with what we're all thinking, they need to bin it straight off, get rid of it. Bring it back, start our next season with the refs mics up so we can hear what they're talking about. Give us some openness. Let us hear what they're saying. Let, let us watch the, the process of the decision-making. Don't just stick on a scene on the screen, offside check being carried out. Stick on the screen the chat that's going on or, or, or put, you know, we need more openness. 
because these these thoughts ain't going to go away in the current situation. They're only going to get worse. God help them if there's a massive falls up tomorrow night, because you can imagine what's going on. And Dan's right. You know, Alex is right. It's a cracking thing to do. VAR should work perfectly. And I can't make out in my head why it's not. I can't make a reasoning made why it's not. I won't accept incompetency. I won't accept human error. I won't accept liquor training. I won't accept it. So you build your thoughts off of with, that. With regards to Mike Dup, uh, this is Peter Banks, the, the referee who was in charge of, of, of the game. He's got a microphone. He's got an earpiece. They all have. Um, just prior to COVID, um, I was invited to Highbury House into the boardroom. Uh, I was there with Chris Foy and somebody from the supporters liaison officer from the uh, Premier League were discussing VAR and the potential change that we're talking about VAR. This is when they were introducing change to handball for the T-shirt line and so on. Um, but they played us video footage of uh, games with, in particular, Mike Dean quite a few times um, and refereeing, um, I think it was Man United versus Arsenal or Arsenal Tottenham and, and, and games like that. But you can hear the conversations going on all the time. Trevor, you're very much a, 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 a from the rugby stable. You know they've got uh, and cricket. They've got like the little earphones you can go in and just. I'm sure even now you could probably do it on the app uh, from Arsenal if you wanted, and you could listen to what's going on. They don't have to put everything on, but you know I don't see why they don't. I, I rugby and football are two completely different games when it comes to a refereeing perspective. But let me tell you, I, I didn't play the game at a very top level, but I played to a pretty good standard. And I always used to call the referee sir, right? In rugby, the referee was sir. And if you put one foot out of place, you were penalised. If you put two foots out of place, you were penalised again and probably sent off. So we can't really compare. This micing them up so we can hear them, so there's openness, is what interests me the most. We don't have to hear the ref all through the game of football. Well, we probably couldn't because the language would be horrendous, wouldn't it? Everyone under the age of 14 would have to switch their tellies off, you know? But well, some didn't they do it many years ago, and it was Man United Arsenal and at yeah. Tony Adams, and the F bomb and the C bomb and everything was just being was dropped yeah. everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Heard, they forgot to tell the Arsenal players that was happening before that game in in defence of Tony Adams. The referee was mic'd up, and nobody told the Arsenal players. But there's just there should be a switch in VAR, right? We're going to have a VAR review switch on. Now all the speak is open and public. Now all the talk is open and public. You know. Switch it VAR done. Switch it off again. Back to privacy. You know, um, I'm so, boys. I need to apologise to you for a year. Even Fergus, I'm apologising to Fergus. That don't happen very often. This is something that is really close to this old man's heart. So I'm sorry I've nicked the airtime and waffled on. And I'm going to shut up now and let you boys carry on. I mean, I think you said it spot on to be honest. I don't think there's really much more to add because I think you've hit now on the head. So. I think it's not far different from how everyone else is feeling. And um, yeah, it just, the thing again that gets me is two points in that game could so easily decide a title race. And uh, how gutted would we be if that's the, uh, that's the end result, you know? Final thing, as we leave the Brentford game, uh, before the, uh, the match, the, the Ashburton Army, who you can only hear their drum and, and uh, throughout most of the game, uh, Arsenal um, uh, have class and tradition, something oil money can't buy. That seemed to rile the Manchester City fans, and they quickly. How they got this banner together in like literally twenty-four hours, I don't know. Panics on uh, panic uh, in the streets of North London. Um, 
We have a game against City tomorrow night um, at 7.30. No, not tomorrow night, Wednesday night at, at 7.30. Um, and it's probably the biggest game at the Emirates this season. And it's that big that even Trevor is uh, going to be in attendance. You know, Are you in the box with the directors? Are you up with Josh and yeah, silence down? I'm not associating with you boys downstairs. It's, uh, it's not <laughs> my level these days, I'm afraid. Not my we level. have Anthony Taylor, Anthony Taylor in charge. He's from Manchester. Look at that. Look at that map of where all the, 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 the ones with the heads on there are where all the elite referees are from. And the majority of them are from the northeast. There's a couple in Leicester, a couple in Birmingham, northwest uh, in Bristol. Uh, not, yeah, and there's some in the northeast as well. The majority in the northwest, yeah, correct. Um, Alex, our, whoever wants to come back on this, are there no good referees in, in the south of England? It is quite weird that all, all of them are from, from up north. Um, but yeah, it's just annoying that we're talking about all this stuff like referees and like you just don't want to sit here and talk, talk about it. You'd rather talk about the Arsenal and, and, and the stuff that we love. But here we are again, like talking about referees and and the the integrity of the sport, like we we need transparency with the with the referees. I, I think there will be a good implementation, uh, like Trev said, with the uh, mic'd up. So with the city game, Haaland didn't play the second half against Villa. Um, anything in the Danish press to say that he's injured and broke a leg? No, he's going to be playing. He was training today, so he'll definitely be playing. Unfortunately, okay. okay. The gap's down to three points, Dan. Um, it's mega, isn't it? Do you change the formation? Do you do you ha, ha, do you try and shoehorn Zinni and uh, Tierney in? Do you swap one for the other? What changes would you make, if any? I'd make the crowd louder. It's the only thing I'd change. <laughs> I think it, I, I think that will happen. I think it needs to. It really needs to because um, as fans, we've got one job, and that's get behind the team. And this is the biggest game where they really need us and that means whether they're winning whether they're losing whether they're drawing whether VAR draws lines or don't draw lines we need fans losing their voices by the time that game finishes mm. conscious that some of the numbers are dropping off because the football's just started so people are going to go um Trev do you change anything um for uh, do you change any of the lineup I know you talked about Eddie and Martinelli yeah, yeah so... I, I would honestly give Eddie a rest and I'd play either Martinelli through the middle or even Trossard through the middle because Trossard's got a history of scoring goals. So I'd give Eddie a rest. I'd play Trossard. I'm not too worried about Haaland because I think that Arteta will have lined our defence up. We've seen it recently. Stick tight to Haaland and he spits his dummy. You know, he loses his focus. So hopefully we can do that. I can't see us losing the game, Fergus. Cannot see us losing the game on Wednesday night. Uh, answer to Arnie. Um, Arnie, myself and Capo have been at the all the other 21 games. So um, I think we've done all right uh, in bringing points. But yeah, hopefully having the big man there will help us. Um, Alex, would you change anything? And once you've said that, I want your uh, score prediction. Yeah, like I don't know if I would change anything. I, I, I would like to see Trossard uh, play more minutes um against City on Wednesday but I'd, I'd understand completely if you're starting with Eddie again because he has scored quite a few goals after the World Cup break um, but I agree with with uh, Trev I can't see us losing and we 
like a draw a draw would be a massive result um against city um but my prediction is uh, a 2-1 to the arsenal sorry you went 2-1 to the arsenal did you yes yeah capo i am also thinking 2-1 um i do think we were very unlucky when we played at home to them last year. We could have quite easily got a result. I yeah, think absolutely. when we played up there earlier, a couple of weeks ago, we've a much changed side. I thought we did quite well at times. Um, and I think we've, and I go back to this point, the crowd behind them, loud and proud, we will take the points home. And Trev can be the cherry on the icing on the cake to help us bring the three points home. I'll be your cherry any day, Danny boy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're popping something tomorrow. <laughs> It must have been that tweet about nudes. Just before you say your bit, I'm like these boys. I can't see us losing tomorrow night. Uh, or excuse me, Wednesday night. But I can't move on from it. I can't move on from it. The score will be whatever VAR wants it to be. It'll leave, leave us alone and let us watch a game of football and see a result. Or it'll stick its unwanted nose in again and influence the result. Let's hope it's the first. Let's hope we see a great game of football, not influenced other than by players on the field. I'm not going to say we're going to win. I'm not sure, but I can't see us losing the game, Ferg. Can't see us losing. Alan, in the chat, has gone for 3-1. Trev, what have you gone for score-wise? Are you going to pick a score? I'd be happy. I'd be happy with one all. To be honest. one all. A, a draw isn't a bad result. We just we just cannot lose the game. Uh, one all springs to my head. Two two springs to my head. But I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna go with heart rather than head, and I'm gonna go three one Arsenal. Go on, my uh, son. I'll confident. Long. There we go. And no voice on Thursday, and probably a little bit of a headache. First, I'll let you know when I'm in London, right? But I'll let you know when I'm in London, boys. We're meeting up. I want a beer. I want to give you all big hugs and kisses and even play with Dan's cherry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ginger one, apparently. Um, a, a question that uh, has been sitting around for a little while. There's a guy in France. He's an Arsenal player. And he's he's he's, he's scoring more goals than Mbappe. He's, uh, you know, he's... He's called Balogun, an American-born, New York-born um, footballer who's played for Arsenal. He's been away at Borough on loan. He has had a couple of opportunities, and myself and Trev have had the opportunity to see him not really perform fantastically against Brentford that time when you walked out, Trev. Um, I think Alex has got a question for you. I want to ask, is he not special, Trev? Well, look, he certainly looks special at the moment. That, you, By the way, you've, you've dropped me right in it here because you never told me about this question. Nope. He certainly looks special <laughs> at the moment, Alex, right? But as Fergus just said, when we saw him given a chance at the start of last season, it was bad. It was it was like men v boys, and he was the boy, trust me. So when he went out on loan, I thought, yeah, this is a great move because he must have, he's obviously got some talent. And to, to my honest answer is that Arteta has shown already that he's a great judge of when players should and when shouldn't play. So when Arteta brings him back, I will believe he's ready. Until then, let him keep scoring them goals and building his confidence, mate. I have faith in our manager, mate. Dan, um, 
French League's nothing really to talk about. Pepe, Lacazette, scoring for fun out there. Come to the Premier League and, you know, Pepe in particular, uh, you know, it was hot and cold. Lacazette ran out of steam. Yeah, I agree. I think what it has proven, though, is that maybe he's deserved and earned his chance to be in and around the squad. And then when he gets his chance in the squad for maybe a cup games or, you know, Europa League games, does he take his chance then? Because that's what other players have done. They've come into those games, they've taken their chance and they've got into the first team. So, look, fair play to him. He's he's scoring goals for fun at the minute. He's outscoring some brilliant players in the league. But can you do it regularly in the Prem? That's an absolute, you know, different animal. But let's hope he does because um, young lads that come through, you know, it's what we want to see at the club. Mm. Yeah, Alex, go on. Has he, yeah, answered, just, has he answered your question? Yeah, he has. But I think the problem is if he's going to be, if he finishes as the top scorer in the French league, he's not going to be sitting around hoping for uh, a start in the cup games. He's going to be either wanting a promise from Arteta that he's going to be playing uh, more regularly, or he's going to get a big move to a big cl- another big club. Then he hasn't got what it takes to play for the Arsenal when he can go with Sanchez, Guendouzi and the rest of the lot of them. If he wants yeah, to play yeah, for the yeah. Arsenal, he can take his chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see we'll yeah. see when summer comes. Yeah. We will. We will. Guys, so um, all right. Yeah, he did. And, and it's the right amount of loans that you need. Look, listen, we've overran a little bit. We wanted it with a huge amount to get in. I don't think we've done too bad, considering I thought we could have been here till 10. Uh, we've just done over the over the hour mark. If you like what we do, like Alan said, it's a great podcast. Thank you very much, Alan, uh, in the chat and some of the others. Uh, if you like what we do on YouTube, hit the hit the subscribe and the like button. Uh, we don't do this for fun. We just do this. Oh, sorry, we do this for fun. We don't do this to be famous or anything like that. We just we just chat and we just have have a conversation like we're down the pub, um, and that is that is the the concept behind it. Are you um, um, are you in a rush, Ferg? I was going to go back and talk about Saliba and Gabriel again. Uh, you can do, but I need a piss. Play <laughs> the music. Play the music.
listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.